I think you were about to say something, Doug. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, no, we were talking about Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. The, uh... Yeah, that's what we were talking right. about. Yeah, this, <laughs> this story reminded me of Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, that's why I was so confused. I'm like, uh, I guess that's a stretch, but uh, <laughs> was that when Johnny Cage died? <laughs> also, spoiler alert. <laughs> So welcome everyone. Uh, this is Page and Screen. This is a book club for books adapted to movies and a movie club for movies adapted from books. So, uh, I'm Calvin and guys, Nicolas Cage is back. Hi, I'm Jesse and I once had a pet rock get destroyed by six bolts of lightning. Hi, I'm Ashton, and I think Nicholas Cage does a more entertaining uh, impression of Donald Trump than Alec Baldwin himself does. Hi, I'm Doug, and uh, I'm the thing in the well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This episode, we are discussing The Color Out of Space. The Color Out of Space is a short story written by H.P. Lovecraft in 1927, and it was adapted in 2019 to a feature film by Richard Stanley. Okay, uh, let's get into the story. Um, I personally listened to this on audiobook. Um, I, a few of you did too, I know. But um, the version I listened to, I think, was by Blackstone Audio. I don't know who the narrator is that is reading it. It was part of the Necronomicon collection. And um, man, this this dude, he sounded like James Earl Jones. It was the, like just the most amazing audiobook performance I've ever heard. And it was so perfect for this story. It it felt like the it felt like the original Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, where James Earl Jones was narrating <laughs> the whole thing. So intense. I thought it was a really good story. Um, I'm not too familiar with Lovecraft, so I can't uh, compare it to a lot of his works. I think I've only read like one or two other of his stories. There is something about the framing devices for a lot of these stories that I think is odd. Like the fact that it's like a story being told by someone who's telling another person the story. Like it's just a lot of story within a story kind of thing. And I always find that very strange. Like I find it strange, like even like Dracula and Frankenstein when that happens. It was a really cool, cool read. Um, very different from the Haunting of Hill House that we just went through. The horror in this one is so apparent and so, um, I don't know, tangible. Um, and yeah, it um, it was unsettling. Like it was definitely a story that I think left me pretty unsettled. And I knew that the movie was going to be was going to be disturbing, so I was prepared for that. Um, but yeah, all in all, I I did really enjoy the story. Like you said, I haven't read like all of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft either. Like I've read a couple stories here and there, but uh, of the ones that I have read, um, this one is definitely my favorite they do a really good job of making you afraid of something that you just have no idea what it even looks like. And like kind of painting this picture of this, like almost shapeless thing. And there's something about like the way like it's described, even though you can't, like it's basically an indescribable monster. And you're kind of like, this is a, like, it's just a really well done in that regard. I thought, um, I had, I've, I've read this story 
two or three different times. And I actually listened to an audiobook this time just to have a different experience while reading it. Um, like there is like this like ongoing sense of dread throughout the whole story. It's hard to explain like listening to it. Like there's something really um, interesting in the way that he does that. Like you're like, I don't know why I feel like really like freaked out right now listening to the story, but like this would be a totally creepy experience having like this meteorite hit the earth and like and all these like weird things like animals mutating and all this stuff happening around you and stuff like that so it, it is i love i thought it's a fantastic short story i thought it was a really really cool one now the uh i my audiobook i actually started listening to an audiobook i found on youtube and it had there was this guy with a strong irish accent it was so strong that about 20 minutes into it, I'm like, okay, I have to switch my audiobook because there are, like, <laughs> I'm not understanding exactly what he's saying. Like there'd be points where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm following along. And then he'd go and I'd be like, I have no idea what the last three sentences were. Was he transitioning into Gaelic? Like, <laughs> Yeah, after a while, it was just like another language. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I, I honestly had to like go find a different audiobook. There, thankfully on YouTube, there's like 300. A lot of people adapt this uh, audiobook. And I uh, found an American guy, and I had no problem after that. So, but uh, it it was a, it was a good. Um, I quite enjoyed it. Um, just a really quick, a, a quick. Uh, I I drove to my dad's place. It's about an hour and a half. Uh, the entire hour and a half, and it was. Mm, uh, it was yeah. a, it was good. It, it was a good. It was a good listen. So. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, I went on YouTube and found an audio book, and it was sounded like a very. Uh, elderly gentleman reading it but uh, the one thing uh, I think I would have liked it better if I read it myself because to me there was a lot of descriptions in this book a lot of like uh, the way things are described and for me to hear that in an audiobook is okay but I feel like if I could follow along at my own pace reading it and then letting my mind build the um, uh, the scenery would have been a lot better but no, I really enjoyed this story. It had all of the characteristics of a horror, of a sci-fi, alien, eldritch beings, mutations, and uh, an old family farm. So, yeah, really enjoyed it. It um, it reminded me a lot of uh, Annihilation. Like, I don't know if yeah. anyone's... Yeah, yeah, seen, yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, I've never read Annihilation. Um, from what I understand, like, the book is a bit more descriptive and less like um i don't know less abstract than the movie made it seem it definitely did feel a lot like annihilation the story especially i think color out of space the movie was a little bit more different in terms of like the tone and the way that i felt while reading it while watching it but uh but yeah the story was just this like general feeling of like uneasiness and like and almost like this hopelessness because it was like you know, you start to realize that like, oh, like everything's been tainted and like there's no like real escaping this thing. And then by the end, you realize that like it's still growing and like it's growing an inch to an inch a year and stuff like that. It really unsettled me when I was watching Annihilation and this story did like the same thing. It just like was so unsettling. I don't know if anyone else got that or no i totally did because i read the story quite a few years back um it was probably my first hp lovecraft story i'd ever read and then um i was always wanting to see an adaption if if you see if it could be done annihilation came out and that was the first thing i thought was and i don't i didn't know anything about annihilation at the time i had no idea that was based on a book 
So I was like, oh, like this is this is basically my color out of space movie. Um, and then obviously Richard Stanley did this one. That is actually more of a faith, closer adaptation of the actual short story. But yeah, I thought Annihilation very much immediately as soon as I saw like the movie. I was like, oh, this is like like this is obviously inspired by Color Out of Space yeah. at the very least. Yeah. Um, I just want to like throw this in there. While reading this book, there is a feeling I always had reading it, and the best way I can describe it is right before you scream. I don't know if that makes sense. It's yeah. just that, like that kind of like that breath in all the time, but yeah. never actually getting to it. So it's just a draining book, reading what's happening to this family. Like 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 other Lovecraft stuff. The only one that I read, or the one that I read that I can remember most distinctly, is The Shadow of Rain's Mouth, um, which you know had a had a similar situation where it was the it was kind of the straight character going into a situation that was that was corrupted and that was tainted, and him like kind of finding you know what was wrong with it, and and then like slowly going crazy and revealing it you know and the reveal in the shadow in the shadow of Ian's mouth is just like is just as spooky like it's still really disturbing and it kind of leaves this feeling of like i don't know like in a similar way the color of space does is like he he doesn't really wrap his stories up like neatly like in a way where it's like oh like everything's fine it's like he's making it very clear that not thing is okay and like things get, things are still going to get worse yeah. you know so even when like his protagonists are getting out of situations you're like they're never safe that's a that's just a really cool trope for a, for a horror story it, like it really does leave you unsettled like I, I like this is my first lovecraftian like novel and i've watched a couple movies but i i are like movies slash tv series uh but I, it was really descriptive to the point where I'm just like, wow, did this guy just like buy out the, the, the Thor store and just be like, uh, you know, open it to like dark terms and and just max those out? Yeah, I was, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> just like, uh, well, uh, just like I need something to, that means creepy. OK. And it's just like uh, I'll use all of these words. <laughs> no, but it, it was, <laughs> but the I, I, I kind of and I, I said this earlier, I was a little sad that um because I, I, I made sure not to look at anything and to do with the actual movie. I was a little sad because I was kind of hoping that it would be a older, like a throwback movie. And I guess, you know, the Lovecraftian horror is kind of universal. Like it has the same themes you can, tr- you can translate to nowadays. I just felt like having it way back then when, when they didn't have any science uh, would have changed the way mm, people viewed it. Yeah. The, uh, but I, I I I didn't mind the I didn't mind the, the book. I thought it was sufficiently creepy. The creepiest thing about this story to me was the idea of a uh, monster that really there is no way to stop it. Like how do you stop a color? It's just like a like a floating cloud almost. Like that's the way I've always envisioned it. It's like this mm-hmm. floating cloud that there's like no way like and you don't even know it's a monster until it's almost too late, right? You're like that's like it's like. Uh, I think that was the most creepy thing. And I actually questioned like a few times every time I read it, I think, is this like, I guess it's, is it one of the, like, it's possibly one of the elder gods, but it doesn't have a name. You know, that's interesting. Cause I, I've always wondered this about Lovecraft and it's cause I haven't read enough of his stuff. Right. 
Like he didn't yeah. only write Cthulhu stuff, right? Like no. his stories weren't weren't all set in that same universe. However, this one does like refer to certain things that are from other stories. Like I think he refers to the book I was following along with is this one, the Call of Cthulhu, right? Uh, collection of stories, and so it's in here. So it it clearly is part of the the mythos cycle. And so, but the nice thing about this book is that it's got a footnote section that like, show, like makes references to other things in, in Lovecraft's stuff. Um, so like he references things like Arkham and stuff in the story. So the thing clearly does take place in that universe. Um, and so when it takes place in that universe, then you wind up questioning like, oh, well, is this one of those thoughts you almost are like left wondering like is it it must be like I, it must be mm-hmm. like in my opinion it, it has to be but who knows i i thought it was yogsathoth the writhing mass of eyes and bubbles that link everything together just because i thought like oh this meteorite must have you know been a part of it that's just what i kind of mm-hmm. No, it's interesting you bring that up because I didn't really know if a lot of Lovecraft's works were all interconnected. Like, I know he uses Arkham a lot in his works in the same way that Stephen King uses uh, Maine in that same kind yeah. of mm-hmm. precipice. So, yeah, that's actually interesting yeah. now that we, if we go into the details of it. Mm-hmm. He also I, shares characters. Like, a lot of characters are mentioned in this book that are, that are from other books. So oh, really? kind of a... It is a shared universe. Um, okay. You know, you never you never really know what the timeline of things are and when things are supposed to be happening. Because it's like, you would think that if all of this shit was happening, like, authorities would take notice or, like, there would be more of, like, a, um, I don't know, like, it would be a bigger deal um, than he makes it seem in the books. It, it always seems like it's this, oh, like, this dark corner of stuff that's happening. It's like, man, if, like, 60 crazy paranormal events are happening over the course of like these like 10 years you, you like you know someone's going to take notice but yeah you know what the thing is is i actually well i know i know about the lovecraftian stuff i i barely know about it, i should say but for me like first of all when i was going through it i had this vision of it being like a, like an alien thing like a like a supernatural not not a supernatural more of like a science fiction thing but also too uh, mm-hmm. that's where the lovecraftian stuff comes in where it is supernatural but it is also is like heavily based in science fiction right like this is like in my mind this was mm-hmm. something that i think future civilizations would would be able to uh, figure out they'd be able to say this is what's happening like with advanced technology but as where we are and as where, where they were in the 1880s or whenever the story took place, they would just look at it as being pure, like evil, like supernatural. And I think that there's like that blurred line between like Lovecraftian that I, that I, I definitely got. And uh, yeah, it was a, uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, I think Lovecraft is this like marriage of science fiction and horror um, and fantasy to some degree. Because it's like, it does seem like it's a paranormal thing, but his explanation of paranormal isn't rooted in the typical, like, ideas of paranormal that we have. Like, it's not coming from any sort of, like, 
biblical perspective of like demonic or anything like that. The, the things that he's describing are things that are inexplicable and like we have no formation. We have no reference point for it. And that's where it, it really does become science fiction, right? And there's so many, so many, uh, so many Lovecraftian influenced um, stories and movies and video games are all are all science fiction, right? Like The Thing or Event Horizon. Actually, not Event Horizon, sorry. And like Dead Space is the one I'm thinking of. And they are based in in this like Lovecraftian kind of feel. But yeah, so I think he does have this like this marriage of science fiction and horror. And I think this definitely fits in that. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't call this something explicitly paranormal. I like the idea of it being aliens more. You know, like I like the idea of, of an alien intelligence or an alien life form being so abstract and so inexplicable, right? You rarely see aliens portrayed that way, you know, like they're always portrayed as as something that we could explain away, like a carbon-based life form or a silicone-based life form. And it's like, well, what if it's neither of those, you know? Um, so yeah, the, I like, I really, I really did kind of see it from that perspective and i do really like that it's a cool it's just a cool concept well with that in mind i think the horror also comes from the idea that it's something new supernatural not supernatural something like like earth has its own ecosystem like the carefully that it's been built over you know for for billions of years right and then something something foreign to to that comes from space and lands and then uh, and, and basically infects or starts taking over this this ecosystem right and you could talk about it being like like even like cthulhu and stuff like you could you could look at them as being highly supernatural you can even look at them as like interdimensional beings which is what i and with my limited knowledge of cthulhu that's what i always consider cthulhu is not necessarily like like an evil demon or whatever but as like an interdimensional being from a dimension that we don't understand. And when it interacts with our dimension, like things that we can only describe as horror happen. Yeah. I, I just think like you're sitting there reading it for whatever, an hour and a half or whatever it takes to read the story. And it's like, you're just kind of like almost freaked out the whole time, like from beginning to end. The, the point was when they were talking about how his wife was going crazy and his 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 way to deal with that was just to lock her in the attic. And I'm just like, as I'm reading, I'm like, this is the worst idea you could have. Like, if your first in, uh, like instinct when something evil is in your house is to like lock your loved one in the attic, is like, eh, you should probably get out of there. That's just me though. <laughs> and then his like son starts going going off the handle. He he throws up and throws him up in the attic and. Well, I forgot what happened to the other kid. Oh, he got snatched in the in the night by the the water creature or whatever. Um, I was gonna say just to the science fiction point before you move on is that like um, there were a few things that I was reading into when when the meteorite first crashes on Earth. Um, he goes into like a lot of like random scientific description of it. Like he talks about like how they were testing it with like whatever hydrochloric acid and and sodium hydroxide and stuff like that so i looked up what those chemicals mean and also he made reference to a uh, some german word wadman statin or whatever so i looked up what those are and they're like legitimate scientific um descriptions and scientific techniques for for treating meteors so 
you know, I thought that was like pretty impressive. Is like there was some like semblance of of science that he was using in here, and I think that's what like, you know, that's what like really does define that a science fiction is that he does try to explain these things to the best of human ability, especially at that time in the in the nineteen twenties. Still comes up as inexplicable, and that's what makes it science fiction. But any other thoughts on the story? Shall we move on to the movie? Let's move on, man. <laughs> Color of Space is directed by Stanley in 2019, um, starring the inimitable Nicolas Cage. What did everyone think about it? So I had pretty high expectations going into this, and I saw this in a theater of, of about eight months ago, eight or nine months ago. And I actually came out like super happy. It stayed true enough to the story, but it also went and kind of did its own thing at moments. And it was, it did its own little uh, kind of body horror thing that they, they did. And I really enjoyed the aspect of like the grotesque body horror that his wife goes through. Kind of enjoy that. That's kind of my favorite kind of horror is the, is body horror. So Ugh. yeah, I really did enjoy, um, his version of the story uh, the updated and different, slightly different, but still staying true to what the short story is like. I was pretty happy with both the special and practical effects in this, like watching it. I was like, Oh man, I don't know why, but I got like this, like I was watching the thing again or mm-hmm. um, from beyond. Like I was like, man, they really tapped into like that eighties kind of like plastic kind of body looking all morphed and stuff like that. And I really liked that. Well, you know, it does uh, take you from the story. Um, the fact is they made something that even like people that back then would have been really grossed out though. And people now, cause I know the novel takes place or the short story takes place um, further in the past. Whereas the movie is updated to a more current time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I, you know, I, I thought that the kid and mother stuff was pretty good. I like Ashton. Uh, get off on body horror as well. So the uh... <laughs> dick. <laughs> you know what? I, I, the strangest gripe I have about it actually is it's just so much like fuchsia, like so much pink. And for some odd reason, I, I I didn't imagine the color of space being pink, and so it kind of was a bit distracting in my brain. And I know that sounds weird, but I kept I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe I'm alone in this. I sympathize to some extent because when I was reading the story, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, it's just pink. Cool. Um, but at the same time, it's like, really, what are they going to do? They're, they can't. They can't. The idea of a color that's not on the spectrum, like like you would literally go nuts, like looking at it because our eyes can't process it. So it's like, obviously, they had to pick a color that they thought was strange. I don't know. Yeah. What color were you imagining? Like an aquamarine? Was... <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But no, but I was, I don't know. You are you are right. But there is like, I just imagined it'd be a little bit not as pink, I guess. You know what I did, actually? You know, uh, what I was thinking more than anything was kind of like northern lights. A little bit. But as I said, okay, I, I'm making it sound like it was a bigger deal to me than it actually was. But I do. <laughs> but as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, this is a lot of pink. And, you know, that thought just crossed my mind. Yeah, no. It's, hey, uh, like, 
I, I completely understand, man. If you want to have gripes of the color, like, I mean, blue and orange ruined Hugo for me. So um, I completely understand. But uh, what I'm trying to think what happened to everybody else, actually. So the so the, the mother and son got got mixed into one. The other son fell in the well. Oh, yeah. Uh, daughter, daughter became one with space and time. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, spooky. Um, but no, I thought uh, I thought it, it was a really good movie. Um, I like I agree with all the points so far. Like um, it felt like a return to like very classic um, uh, horror and like classic um, practical effects and all of those like send ups to movies like The Thing quite clearly like the llamas is like almost directly pulled from John Carpenter's the thing. Um, and, uh, and I did truly enjoy that. That was really cool. Probably my only like real gripe with it is that I felt in comparison to reading the story. Cause I watched it like immediately after I read the story, I kind of wish it was a little bit more subtle. Um, the story feel like, kind of served up a lot of this stuff like it did kind of serve up a lot of this oh like you know these these kind of creepy things start happening and blah 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 yeah like i completely understand that Mm -hmm. they took some liberties to how creepy it was um and like how much they wanted to show um i wasn't expecting it to be um as explicit was in the movie like it was actually kind of shocking when i was watching it i was like whoa this is a lot um but yeah i like a part of me was like i kind of wish it was a little bit more subtle and a little bit more cerebral like i wish it was a little bit more of just like watching nick nick cage's character like really unwind which like you do but at the same time there's like all of this external stuff that's happening where you're like well obviously he's going crazy um look at his wife and child <laughs> um, um other than that like i i thought it was a solid adaptation it's probably you know it's interesting because um i was thinking about we did mention about how it was similar to annihilation um and how annihilation felt like very much of a i don't know like a newer version of color base um and annihilation was a movie that i quite liked except for the like the third act i feel like the third act started to get like very strange and like i don't know they i felt like they were explaining a little bit too much um but like i liked the feel of annihilation and i liked that like subtle like slow kind of build of of terror mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i wish was a little bit more of color of space you know that's fair. but like everything else was like solid. Like I loved the use of the effects and the way that they showed what they showed. That that was really cool. I just feel like pacing wise, if it was a little bit slower, a little bit more subtle, that would have been more my speed. Fair enough. But people tend to crap all over uh, the, the the, uh, decisions that Nicolas Cage makes when he's decides to do a movie lately. Because in all honesty, a lot of them aren't very good, or like the B movies and stuff. And so I, I went, I didn't realize that Nicolas Cage was in this until I literally started watching it. And 
I did the exact same thing where I just at first I'm like, ooh, Nicolas Cage is in this. Oh, okay. Well, let's check it out anyways. But I actually thought that he did an excellent job. And not only that, I actually think that he he turned what could have been like the worst movie I've seen this year to actually a watchable a watchable show. I I, mm-hmm. I, I thought he did a great job. And like because the thing is, is this this type of story needs the main character to be slightly over the top. Oh, and that's sure. and that's and that's where Nicolas Cage lives is just slightly mm-hmm. over the top. Yeah, like Nicolas Cage, I think is like Keanu Reeves in a lot of ways too. Where if you use them well, like they're great. But when you don't use them well, or when they're not suited to the role, it's a terrible. It's a terrible mix, and it will usually end up almost ruining the movie. Um, Dracula is a good example for Keanu Reeves. And I think there's a ton, like you could go on forever about Nicolas Cage movies too, that like he wasn't perfect for, but he goes like this movie, like you said, it needs someone to be over the top and he needs someone to go crazy. And Nicolas Cage is pretty much the perfect person to go absolutely crazy. So what you're saying is we need Nicolas Cage and Dracula. Yes. Yeah. Actually he exactly. would have been amazing in that movie. Let's be hundred percent honest. Um, <laughs> Does, does Nicolas Cage punch somebody in the face in this movie? I seem to have a, a memory of... Doesn't he punch, like, a neighbor or something? I don't know. There's a he point punched where... his car. Oh, yeah, does, I don't know. He does yeah, punch in the car. car. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was uh, quite the journey to, like, just watch him descend into, like, Badness. full cagedom. Because it's, like... <laughs> Which is true Lovecraftian. Like, yeah, I mean exactly, right? Yeah. It's like you know, a co- like a pretty like decent build, and then like it it got to this threshold where I was like, oh, like he's he's completely lost it. Like the rest of the movie is just gonna be batshit crazy, and it was and it was great. Um, but yeah, and uh, well, there was also um, the Richardson lady. Uh, I I don't know anything that she's in except uh, Event Horizon. So I thought oh, yeah. Where no, she wasn't the, the the lady with the with the loser kid who didn't who couldn't walk. She was like the normal, like the, yeah, the nice, normal lady excellent. who survived at the end. So, um, and then uh, who else? Um, who who else was that? Oh, it was a uh, Chi Chin Chong. What's what's that guy's name? Tommy Chong. Tommy yeah, Chong. Tommy Chong. Chong. Yeah, that's. I never even picked up on that until you guys mentioned it, and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, nice. that was Tommy Chong. <laughs> like here's here's what we need you to do. Be crazy wilderness uh, uh, drug dealer. Okay, so just, yeah, I'll do. So just show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the performances like all around, I think were were pretty solid. Like it was really well cast and well thought out. Um, it was interesting, like watching the movie. When is the movie set? Like it's set in current day, right? I think yeah, I think it's set pretty close to current they have, day. Like because they have cell phones. Yeah, like, so it's it's not. I don't think it's current. It might be like a few years ago because, and the only reason I say that, like I'd say it's relatively current day, but the only reason I say that it's um, a few years ago is because Richard Stanley is talking about his next movie, which is going to be another Lovecraft movie that's based in the same universe, but it's going to take place a little bit further in the future under a Trump America. <laughs> like, so, a, like a science fiction movie? Yeah, yeah, no, like it's it's gonna be. Like he's he's already confirmed it's gonna be the Dunwich Horror. Yeah. So he's doing the Dunwich Horror, and it's gonna be set in like like 
Trump America kind of like right now, whereas this kind of happened before Trump, uh, supposedly, from what I read. And I don't know if that's accurately directly from his mouth or people are drawing conclusions or whatever, but uh, that's what I gathered from the article I read. I mean, I don't see how the political climate would have affected this movie. Yeah, and I'm wondering how it will affect his Dunwich Horror, but we'll see, I suppose. But it's interesting watching it because it is like, obviously we talked about how much it feels like an 80s horror movie. I thought it was set in the 80s. Like, Mm -hmm. when I started watching it, I was like, oh, like, you know, just like, and I guess it's because, like, they're isolated in the cabin, so you don't really know what kind of technology they're using necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. They had some uh, pretty cool, like scare, like kind of cool uh, creature effects. Not like we talked about the alpaca scene in the barn, but there's also the part where they're driving home from his. Oh, by the way, that scene also just makes you cringe is when she cuts her fingers off. Ugh. Oh, yeah, yeah that, that makes you cringe. But when they're driving her home from the hospital and they see like the cat that's like, like all messed up on the, on the side of the road. Like there are some really cool like creature effects throughout. Like I said, like the special effects, we, like we've commented, the special effects, special and practical are both like pretty good, like pretty well done. Like this almost, this almost makes me want to watch The Island of Dr. Crow, which I've, I've never seen. Um, know that there's a documentary about it that's like very good. Yeah. Um, Is it even his movie anymore? Didn't it like pretty much just get like started over? I have no idea, but like, <laughs> just it just really makes me think about like, huh? I wonder if he went into that movie with the same guts. I mean, he probably did, and then like, all of his like, I don't know, all of the life was sucked out of him by Marlon Brando. But... Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer were in it, weren't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's just he's so suited. Um, just to see what he did with color and space and see what he did with the practical effects. It really makes me wonder what he was doing with that movie. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's so interesting too. Um, Richard Stanley, for those who don't know, was uh, directed the Island of Dr. Moreau in like the nineties. I want to say it was like 94 or something like that. And um, had, you know, just the worst experience um, with his actors and, uh, and the production department and the uh, production on it and basically quit directing. <laughs> yeah. He had like a nervous breakdown on set quit the set and then like stopped directing. And this is his first movie since he stopped directing. the. <laughs> right. So I'm glad to see that he's doing okay. And he actually is like, you know, gone on to do something like. Um... And it's, yeah, it's so interesting to come out of a nervous breakdown and be like, I'm going to do a HP Lovecraft. movie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's um, I, I, overall very content with that movie, especially since it was one of my favorite and I had high expectations for it. Um, it's a movie I've been wanting to see uh, adapted for a long time. Mm-hmm. Who's our, who's our sure. WWE cast? Oh, space. yeah, WWE cast. Um, Matt Hardy. Oh, God, yeah. That, yeah. I couldn't, I was just <laughs> thinking. Really I was like, too, too I was well. just thinking, and in my head, I was thinking Brian Pillman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yes, Matt Hardy. Is Matt Hardy would be great thing. for it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. but who plays uh, who plays Tommy Chong's character? Oh God. Um, Road Warrior Animal. Nice. Bray Wyatt. You know. Yeah. Actually. Ooh. Yeah. Actually. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Actually. 
Um, who plays the scientist, the, the hydrologist or whatever? Uh, who's the who's the, the straightest straight man in WWE? It would have to be like... That would be know. The Miz. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it would have to be The Miz. Um, I was going to say like Ted DiBiase or something. <laughs> but... I... Also, too, I like how the main character slash hero of this is a hydrologist. Like, I bet you there's like three hydrologists in the world who are watching this being like, yeah, like this is finally some representation. <laughs> finally, they're, they're getting down to the real heroes as hydrologists. <laughs> I bet you anything they have like a, a forum, like a hydrologist forum. And it's like, dude, it. check, yeah, <laughs> dude, check out Color Out of Space. It, it tells the truth about hydrologists. <laughs> we say that, but I'm sure there are hydrologists out there who are just complaining about the movie didn't get anything right. Yeah. There's watching Shawshank Redemption. They're like, screw that movie. No hydrologists, whatever. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm being a dick. I don't know what my problem is. Uh, and also to all hydrologists, I'm, I'm thankful for what you, what you do for us on the yeah. daily basis. Yeah, we'll open up this podcast with a uh, um, a disclaimer warning. <laughs> I draw just maybe offended by the content of this video slash podcast. Uh, <laughs> this podcast uh, sponsored by hydrologists. Yeah, that's we'll we'll get a, our only sponsor will be a hydrologist related <laughs> company. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm. Uh, <laughs> well, to your conclusion, Calvin. Well, that's color out of space, everyone. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, and uh, our next um, pick is going to be The Turn of the Screw by Henry James. And um, the adaptation we are watching is the brand new Haunting of Blinder um, that comes out on October 9th, um, 2020 um, on Netflix. So. Um, it's Mike Flanagan's follow-up to The Haunting of Hill House, um, an anthology series, so not connected to Hill House whatsoever. Um, instead, it's an adaptation of Turn of the Screw. Super excited. Um, and uh, yeah, tune in next time for Turn of the Screw. I want to give a special thanks, of course, to me and my friend for creating all the music you hear on this show. If you think you'd like to hear more of their music, and why wouldn't you? Check them out by visiting me and my friend.bandcamp.com. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you really like us, please leave us a review and a rating. Feel free to connect with us on social media. We are at Page and Screen One on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also search Page and Screen on YouTube where you can watch a video version of this show. We post regular updates of all the books we read and all the movies we watch, and we would love to hear your thoughts on all of them. We're not the only ones who can offer our unwarranted opinions, so chime in and join the conversation. And finally, we're still in the early stages of this show, and it's so important that we get the word out about it. So if you know a book nerd or a film geek in your life, Please pass it on. We would love to reach new people. Hey, maybe you know someone who is a hydrologist. Well, make sure you thank them for their work and then recommend this show. Until the next page and screen, thank you for listening. <laughs>